I think I've, I've been with Pastor for quite a while, just a few years, and then I think I can testify to the fact that he's a, he's a great leader. And uh, God, the blessing of the Lord is upon his life. He walks in the manifest authority and the power of God. You know, the Bible said in Luke chapter 22, 31, that Jesus told Peter that the enemy has desired to sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith will stand and that you strengthen your brethren. It means that the one that has spiritual authority over life has the authority to also remove, to bless and halt things. That is why when you go to a traffic light, the traffic light can be red, but the policeman can tell you to cross the traffic light. You understand? That's what we call spiritual authority and power. And uh, he's a shepherd of our soul, and we just want to thank God for his life and everything that he has done for us. Amen. November is a month of miracles. And then, oh, I thought you clap. November is our month of miracles. And we are believing God for net-breaking miracles. We are believing God for net-breaking breakthroughs. We are believing God that anything that you have desired from January until now, in this month of November, God will release it over your life. God will release that miracle. The finger of God will be evident in your life. Amen. And you, as a believer, as a Christian, you must understand that God is a miracle-working God. One of the things that characterizes the nature of God we have holiness and everything. One major ingredient is the fact that God is a miracle-working God. And the Bible is inundated with stories of breakthroughs, of testimonies, of many things that show that God is a miracle-working God. And Jesus said in John 14 that greater works than this will you do. And Jesus said in Matthew 11 that the, the people in the kingdom who receive Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, you cannot even compare yourself to John the Baptist. It means that John the Baptist is the least of you. It means that in our generation, we should expect a bigger overflow of miracles. Amen. Amen. But then after all this in the express word of God, sometimes you can ask yourself that, where is my miracle? You can ask yourself that, how come I don't see miracles in my life? How come I'm living a normal day-to-day life? How come the things that I desire from God are not working? And there are certain things that, when they are present in your life, do not allow the manifestation of God's miracles. Amen. Jesus said that when he went to his hometown, he could only do a few miracles because of unbelief. And so these things are what we call miracle destroyers. Amen. Miracle destroyers. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell the person, miracle destroyers. I'll say it again. Miracle destroyers. And this morning, I'm just going to teach on just a few things about Miracle Destroyers. So the title of the message this morning is Miracle Destroyers. Now, a miracle is a miracle. Amen. All right. And uh, it's basically, is the manifest, is the tangible manifestation of the presence of God in your life. That's what we call a miracle. And when I say tangible manifestation, it's something you can see, you can feel, you can hear. So John said that the things that I've heard, the things that I've felt, and the things that I've seen is what I preach unto you. So a miracle is not an abstract thing. A miracle 
it emanates from the spiritual, but the miracle manifests in the physical. The Bible said the word became flesh. So a miracle is somebody is something that anybody can see, anybody can relate with. We can taste it and we can feel it. Amen. So a miracle is something that is real to us. When you say God has released a miracle in your life, it shouldn't be something that we should argue about. It is evident for all to see. So a miracle is a miracle. Amen. You can write it down. A miracle is a miracle. <laughs> it's evident for all to see. It's something that you can clearly state. Because of the nature of man, what may be a miracle for you may not be a miracle for another person. Because it's the manifestation of God's power in the midst of his people. And anytime humans are involved in the receiving of something, the perception and perspective changes. So what may be a miracle for you may not be a miracle for somebody. A miracle, you can get a new car and it will be a miracle for you, but it may not be a miracle for somebody who is buying his seventh car. Amen. But it's a miracle. Amen. All right, so we are going to, go to look at one miracle destroyer this morning and we're going to look at unrepented sin. Unrepented sin. One miracle destroyer that easily manifests in our lives is unrepented sin. Not just sin, but unrepented sin. Just want to turn our Bibles to Isaiah 59. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Can I have the message, the message Bible version? He said, there is nothing wrong with God. I like the version. The wrong is in you. Your wrong-headed lies caused the split between you and God. Your sins got between you so that he doesn't hear. Amen. I think this one is better. True or false? Yeah. Let's go back again. I like there is nothing wrong with you. The wrong is in you. And the next one, your wrong-headed lives. Amen. <laughs> now, the first miracle destroyer we're just going to look at is unrepented sin. Now, the basic definition for sin is when you go against God's word, when you go against God's express nature and instructions, is sin. Amen. Immediately you transgress the express nature or the word of God, God's instruction. Basically, you have sinned. Alright? As you walk deeper in fellowship with God and you grow as a Christian, then you begin to have greater revelations of what sin is. So, Samuel said in 1 Samuel 23, that about, so 1 Samuel 12, 23, he said that I will not sin against God by not praying for you. He was talking to Israel. So, for Samuel, as a prophet of Israel, as the mouthpiece of God in Israel, to him, if he does not pray for the nation of Israel, it is a sin. Amen. So as you walk with God, you have deeper in-depth of what sin is. But the basic definition of sin is that when you go against the express word and the nature of God and the instructions of God, it is a sin. And you know, many a times, as I've said sin right now, everybody's mind, your minds have gone to certain places. But as a miracle is a miracle, sin is also sin. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. 
Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19. Alright, so it says that these six things doth the Lord hate. Can I have the message Bible? Here are six things God hates and one word that he loathes with a passion. Eyes that are arrogant. That's number one. Number two, a tongue that lies. <laughs> I've not even finished. <laughs> the third one, hands that murder the innocent. A heart that hatches evil plots. Feet that raise down a wicked track. A mouth that lies under oath. And the last one, a troublemaker in the family. <laughs> you know, when I said sin, your mind went somewhere. But I'm bringing it. <laughs> I said what? Sin is sin. Please, let's start again. 16. Let me push the word. Here are six things God hates. And one that... And one more, he loads with a passion. So the first one is eyes that are arrogant. So not even you being arrogant, your eyes. When we look at your eyes, we can see arrogance in your eyes. <laughs> Number two, a tongue that lies. Number three, hands that murder the innocent. Number four, a heart that hatches. So even if you hatch an evil plot and you don't do it, it is a sin. Feet that raise down a wicked track. And my favorite ones, a mouth that lies under oath and a troublemaker in the family. So when you cause trouble in the family, as a, a department, it's a sin. Yeah, because the church is a family. So if you're in the choir and you are causing, you are a troublemaker in the choir. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and you know, Jesus took the whole concept of sin to a greater level. That's why he said that even if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery or fornication. Jesus said that if you have deep anger in your heart against somebody, it's like you have killed the person. So many of us are murderers. We are just not in jail. <laughs> we are just not in jail. So I'm saying what? A sin is a sin. Amen. And you know, we have the sin of malice and I don't want to make all of us feel bad this morning. Amen. <laughs> Even when we give you church flyers, you know, and you... <laughs> when you step out, you just drop it on the floor, you step on it, or you give it to your children to do mathematics calculations. A sin is what? A sin. All right. <laughs> now, <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I will hold that scripture. Amen. Now, so, the miracle the show are looking at is not just sin, but unrepented sin. Amen. Now, sin, it neutralizes the power of God in your life. Sin gradually neutralizes the power of God in your life. And sin separates you from God. The major thing that sin does, it brings a separation between you and God. Now, you can see the impact of sin in Matthew chapter 27, when Jesus was dying on the cross. Now, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the only begotten son of God, the loved one of God, who was sent by the Father to die and all that. Now, the Bible said that when he was on the cross, the sin of the world was placed upon him. 
So the Bible said he became sin. So he actually became the embodiment of sin. And on the cross, Jesus said something. When he felt the weight of our sins on him, he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, it means that at that point of Jesus on the cross, he felt the absence of God because he was carrying the sin of the world on him. So even though Jesus is the son of God and he was sent by God to actually carry our sins, at that moment on the cross when he was carrying the sins, the presence of God left him. So even for Jesus, at that point, the presence of God left him. And the miracles of God are manifest, is the tangible manifestation of the presence of God. So when you begin to lose God's presence, you lose his power, you lose the miracle. You cannot walk in the miracles of God. So for Jesus to actually proclaim and shout that my God, my God, it's a cry unto God, why have you forsaken me? It means that at that point in time, God had left him. And by the word of God and the express nature of God, the Bible said that God had elevated his word above himself. So he swore by his word. So even the love of God, God had to leave him because he had become sin. It means that when you transgress against the word of God, the presence of God will leave you. Amen. The presence of God leaves you. And when the presence of God leaves you, you will not be able to manifest the miracles of God. Amen. Now, when sin separates you from God, it doesn't mean, it doesn't take anything away from the only presence of God. God is everywhere. God is with us. So God can see you. But in your walk with God, you will not feel the presence of God and you cannot manifest God's miracles in your life. When you sin, sin separates you from the face of God. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that is used to say the face of God is the same thing that is used to describe God's manifest presence. Amen. So sin will just take you away from God. And sometimes don't be deceived or don't be fooled by coming to church and serving in the house of God. You can come and sing and worship and cry and fall down and release in all the routine. But the presence of God may be away from you. That is why they said the church of Sadia that the church is living, but the church is dead. It means that you can be living as a believer, but you are dead in Christ. And the presence of God is away from you. Hallelujah. Now, so when we come to, when we say unrepented, is when there is no sincere regret or remorse for a sin. It becomes an unrepented sin. And the word is sincere. You know, when you're a child and you do something, they'll go and tell you that, go and tell the person sorry. And by virtue of the fact that you cannot beat your father and your father pays your school fees, you have to just humble yourself and go and say sorry. That is not necessarily a sincere regret. No, at that point in time, you just want to get your own money and just leave the house. So the sorry you said wasn't sincere but when we talk of repentance it's a sincere regret and remorse for sin so an unrepented sin is a sin that you have not come to the place of sincere regret you have not come to the place of sincere remorse for what you have done 
And you know, when it comes to everything related to sin, it's not far fetched. It can, it's, it's easy to be unrepented in your sin, especially for the things you think are not sins. Amen. Like lying and being a troublemaker in the family. <laughs> so, when you walk in unrepented sin, you are not able to allow the miracles or the rivers of God miracles to flow in your life. So, the miracle destroyer is not just sin, but unrepented sin. Because the Bible says we have all sinned. So, does it mean that if you are a Christian, you cannot walk in the miracles of God? Because daily, weekly, some of us, every hour, every minute, you are, you are inside. But the miracle destroyer is unrepented sin. Alright, please say it after me. Unrepented sin. Please say it again. Unrepented sin. The third time. Unrepented. Unrepented sin. So, when you transgress, there's always the opportunity to ask for, to confess, to show remorse, sincere remorse, and ask for, for forgiveness. And you move into the place of repentance. The Bible said in Hebrews 12.1, which is a very interesting scripture, the writer said that, so that we have come to a great cloud. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Message. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Amen. I'll read it again. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we had better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sin. So it means that a sin is a parasite. Amen. The King James to say that the sin that easily besets you or the sin that easily entangles you. Amen. And that means unrepented sin. So in the scripture in Isaiah 59, God will not hear your prayer. God will not move his hand towards your life because of unrepented sin. Amen. And you know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 that you can come to a place of speaking in tongues and doing everything which we as human beings consider spiritual, but it will be like a noise because of unrepented sin. Shall we turn about to Matthew chapter 5? Matthew 5, 22 to 24. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or a sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot. <laughs> and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you are on the brink of hellfire. My God. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Verse 23. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter into your place of worship, about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge, a friend, that 
you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Verse 24. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. And then, and only then, come back and, this, and work things out with God. He didn't say, <laughs> come back and work things out with God. It means that your unrepented sin, in your unrepented sin, you cannot come to God. In your unrepentant sin, you cannot seek the face of God. And once you cannot seek the face of God and you cannot have the presence of God, the miracles of God will not manifest in your life. Amen. Are you with me? The Bible said in, 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 the, in the book of Exodus that God took away his presence from the Israelites when they switched to idol worship. He took away his presence and Moses had to cry and go and say that he will not move if the presence of God does not move with them. When you repent of your sin, it opens up the top of God's miracles into your life. It opens up the top of God's miracles in your life. And sometimes the hardness of a Christian life sometimes can be linked to unrepented sin. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 66, verse 18 to 20. Psalm 66, 18 to 20. And uh, John 9, 1, 3. Psalm 66, 18 to 20. If I had been cozy with evil, I will preach it again. If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would have never listened, would never have listened. Verse 19. But, the, but he most surely did listen. He came on the double when he heard my prayer. Verse 20. Blessed be God. He didn't turn a deaf ear. He stayed with me, loyal in his love. So David is saying that if he had been cozy, which is our modern day language of being so comfortable with sin, God would not have heard his prayer. And the basis for Christian life, if you're a Christian and God does not hear your prayer, or your, God does not hack in his voice, incline his ear, or stretch out his hand when you pray, you are basically living in a, a shut heaven. It means the heavens of God are not open to you, and there's no way a true, true miracle of God will manifest in your life. Amen. John 9, verse 1 to 3. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. Verse 2. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, causing him to be born blind. And Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. It means that in this particular situation, there's no such cause effect. Look instead for what God can do. Which implies that sin, unrepentant sin and perpetrated sin can block the heavens and even release a negative impact on your life. Amen. So, if you want to walk in God's miracles and let the miracles of God flow in your life, in this month of November, one of the, sin, the major miracle destroyers you must take out of your life is unrepented sin. Unrepented sin. Not necessarily sin, but unrepented sin. And most unrepented sins are habitual sins. A habit is something that you do without thinking. You do without thinking. Those of you know that sometimes my eyes twitch. You know, my, it blinks fast. I don't think before my eyes do that. All right? So it's, it's like a habit. Some people have the habit of saying thank you. Even when it hits them, they'll say thank you. <laughs> it is a habit. 
So it's something that you are doing without thinking about it. Most unrepented sins are habitual sins. So you lie and lie and lie and lie. Then it becomes part of you. You are always lying. Where are you? I'm coming. I'm, you know, the typical Ghanaian sin is where are you? So it has become a habit. And when something becomes a habit, because you don't think before doing it, when we say, when we are doing opening prayer and we say, lift up your hands, confess your sins unto God, ask God for forgiveness, that sin doesn't cross your head. Because it's a habit. It will not even pass in your, your mind that it is a sin. If you drive in certain parts of Accra, every morning you'll be tempted to sin. You know, if you, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just want to insult, you know, say something. But, you know, by the time you decide to roll down the glass, then the common sense comes and you just you let it go. So, you will have the habit of always cursing, insulting church drivers and taxi drivers. That when we say, come and <laughs> seek for forgiveness, that sin is not, to you, is not a sin, it is a habit. And most unrepented sins are habitual sins. As I said from the beginning, a sin is what? A sin. And a miracle is a... <laughs> so, put your hands together for God. Most unrepented sins are habitual sins because they have become part of you. Some people are easy to slander, easy to go all the six things that we make, the seven things. It's, it's just part of you. You are just a troublemaker in the family. <laughs> a mouth that lies on the oath. Can you go back 18? Feet that race down a wicked track. It means that when we bring a bad idea, you move towards it by gravity even before <laughs> your mind goes. It's a sin. And when it becomes a habit, it easily becomes an unrepented sin. And most of the unrepented sins that we walk in, most of the unrepented sins are habitual sins. It doesn't, you have, your conscience has been seared towards it so that you don't think it's a sin. You don't think it's bad. You think it's normal. And what you see that God understands in your thinking. God understands in your thinking. Amen. And Dealing with habitual sins in the same way it took process and time for it to become a habit. Moving it into the stage of unrepentance also is process and time. Amen. Because something that is ingrained in your mind will also take something to move it out of your mind. If, for example, uh, you, you read a news item that when you go to or your usher tells you that the chairs on the second row, their legs are broken. So don't sit on the chairs on the second row. That's information that hasn't passed into your mind. It has stuck in your mind. Now, even if the usher is lying, because that's the information you have received, you will not come and sit there. So if you see somebody sitting on it, the first thing that will come to your mind is what the person is what going to fall. you right. Now, so for that thing to leave your mind, you must have another information to know that the chair is not broken. Do you understand? That's why the Bible says that the word of God brings transformation 
be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the word of God, by the renewing of your mind, by the word of God. It means that things that are ingrained in the mind, there is a renewing of the mind. I was telling someone that no matter if you know that HIV AIDS can kill, and no matter how much of a pervert you are, and you are in it, the process, and you see a doctor's report, Akosia Mansa is HIV positive, immediately your spirit will leave you. Because clap your hands to Jesus <laughs> because of the information that you have received do you understand me so in the same way most unrepentant habitual sin is because you have gone past the stage where you think it's a sin so in your mind it's part of it's just part of life in the same way some people can insult or lie without blinking it's part of them it's a habitual sin so coming to unrepentance is a process but We'll go through that short process and we'll pray. Amen. Amen. Now, repentance is when you, you come to a place of remorse. You come to a place of sincere remorse. A sincere remorse. Sincere regret. And you come to God and you confess your sins towards God. Come to God with sincerity of heart. In humility of spirit. And in soberness to God. That you have come to a place by the information that you have we received that this thing is a sin and it's something I've been walking in. You want God to forgive you. You want the repentance of God to locate your life. Amen. Open your Bibles to John chapter 5 verses 14. I think that will be our last scripture. You know, sometimes people preach the hyper grace message and they'll tell you that when you give your life to Christ, it's final, so if you transgress, there's no need to ask for forgiveness because the blood of God is eternal and the blood of God is flowing. So um, you just have to tap into it and come back and go, you know, and abusing the word of grace. But this is what Jesus said, not Paul, not Moses, Jesus. A little later, Jesus found him in the temple. Okay, and in this scripture, Jesus had gone to heal the man who was sitting at the pool for 38 years and he could not jump into the pool when the angel comes to stare at him. So Jesus healed him and he was able to walk again. And in verse 14, after the miracle, about three verses after the miracle, the Bible said, a little later, Jesus found him in the temple. It means that when you receive your miracle, you must still be in the temple for instruction. Amen. That's a different thing. But Jesus said, and said, you look wonderful. You are well. Don't return to a sinning life or something worse might happen. Amen. I think I like this version. I'm going to read it again. A little later, Jesus found him in the temple and said, You look wonderful. You are well. Don't return to a sinning life or something worse might happen to you. He had, he had encountered Jesus and Jesus' salvation. He had received his miracle and all that. It's like giving your life to Christ. But Jesus warned him that if you return to a sinning life, something worse might happen to you. You can give your life to Jesus and still return to a sinning life. Amen. You can give your life to Jesus and still walk in unrepented sin. Some people have unrepented sin of drinking. Habitual sin of drinking. And you will quote that um, Paul said we should take it for the stomach and all that kind of stuff. Why are you even quoting the scripture? You have no confidence in your spirit that what you are saying is true. <laughs> 
Amen. You know, one day I realized that a fetish priest said that it is for nothing that they use water and alcohol for libation because water and alcohol are spirits. Amen. But you, I'm leaving it hanging. Amen. Think about it. So don't return to a sinning life or something worse might happen. It means that it's the ease of returning to a sinning life is very propendent. It can happen to you. So you come back to God in forgiveness. You come back to God to confess your sins. You come back to God being sober and ask that God should release his mercy over your life and ask that God should release repentance over you and you sincerely move away from that unrepented sin. Because if you continue to walk in unrepented sin, there is no way you will see the miracles of God. And you come for miracle hour, you sow a seed, you do everything, and still the miracle is not flowing in your life. And in that time, your mind begins to roam and you begin to blame all sorts of things. But there is an unrepented sin in your life which you have not dealt with. There is an unrepented sin in your life which you have not come to cognizance of the fact that if you don't come to God and plead for his mercy, if you don't sincerely show remorse and regret for that unrepented sin, there is no way the presence of God can be in your life and there is no way the miracles of God, even as you expect and as in the purpose of God, will be made manifest in your life. Amen. We want to stand to our feet and uh, we want to pray. We just want to lift up your hands. These prayers, some of you will not even open your mouth, but pray. Just want to pray and you want to think through to yourself. Just want to think through in your heart. Think through in your mind. Think through in your life. You want to pray? You want to ask that God, this morning you come to him in soberness, in humility of heart, in the soberness of your spirit. You are coming to God sincerely this morning just to plead for God's mercy. You want to think about that unrepented sin. You know your life. You know your heart. You know the things that you do habitually. You know the transgressions you transgress against God's word. You know the things that pull you back. You know the sin that easily besets you. You know the sin that entangles you. The Bible said, there is a great cloud of witnesses watching. The apostles are watching. The angels are watching. And there are things that are setting you back in your course of life. You are not being able to experience the miracles of God. But this morning, you want to plead for God's mercy. You want to ask that, Father, release your mercy over my life. You want to think about that particular unrepentant sin. This is not a generic prayer. You are praying that this particular thing that is in my life, this particular thing that I do, you want to ask the Heavenly Father this morning, may your mercy locate me. The blind Bartimaeus said, Son of David, have mercy upon me. You want to pray this morning that God, may your forgiving grace locate me. The blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb that is without blemish. You want to pray that God, may your mercy locate me. You want to ask that God, this particular sin, that this morning I've come to the place of repentance. I've come to the place of repentance. I've come to the place of grace. I've come to the place of mercy. And you want to pray that Heavenly Father, forgive me. Let your mercy locate me this morning. You want to put your hand on your heart. You just want to pray that God, let the mercy of God locate me. Wash me with thy blood. The mercy of God, the mercy of God. Come with sincerity, come with a sincere heart. Come with a sincere spirit. 
that heavenly father lord forgive me you want to mention those sins you want to mention that particular thing if it's habitual lying any negative habit that you have you want to pray that god land us. let your mercy locate me this morning let your grace locate me this morning in the name of jesus